Let's pray. Lord God, you have given us joy in Christ Jesus. As we come before your word this morning, prepare our hearts to receive our King. Amen. In the first week of Advent, we covered hope. We were in the book of Isaiah and looked at the nation of Israel. And the nation of Israel had been at war. They had been captive, taken captive in the, that war. And they were brokenhearted and they were crushed. And so the message that week was one of hope. That God, even though you are broken, and even though you are crushed in spirit, provides eternal hope in Christ Jesus. And then last week we were in Isaiah as well. And we saw that the warfare had ended and peace was declared. And I gave the example last week of World War I, the Christmas Eve truce, where a German soldier started that truce by singing Silent Night. But the peace was temporary for that war, though the peace with Christ is eternal. And now we come to this Sunday, the third Sunday of Lent, called Gaudet Sunday. We have the pink candle. I've got the pink shirt, pink tie right today. Uh, so it is pink because it is about rejoicing or joy. And it comes from our reading from Philippians, which Paul writes, rejoice. And we, why do we rejoice? Because the Lord is at hand. When the war is over, when peace has been declared, when those who are brokenhearted now have hope, when those who are in darkness now have light, there is rejoicing. So last week I gave you an example from World War I. I want to shift it. I want to go now to World War II. We're going to go to France. And we're going to go to 1940 in France. Because what really happens... When you are at war, and now that there's peace, there is joy. So let me give you an example of what happened. On May 10th of 1940, Germany launched an invasion of France. It was quick, quick, it was brutal, and France was overtaken by the Germans in just seven weeks. For four years, they lived under the rule of Germany. Now, you hear about the atrocities of World War II, of what Hitler did and what Hitler commanded his uh, soldiers and leaders to do. And what they did was pure evil. There was darkness, there was terror, there was a wailing and gnashing of teeth. And living under those conditions must have seemed hopeless. But yet, even within France, there was a remnant, the French resistance, who said that even though there is evil abounding, we have hope that this war will be done, that evil will be overcome. And it happened. Approximately 11 weeks after D-Day, France was liberated. And there was joy in the streets. Not just happiness, but a joy in the streets. I want to show you a clip. I edited about a 90-second clip together of the liberation of Paris. For four years, the Parisians had seen German uniforms, jackboots, swastikas, Nazi salutes. They listened to German orders, to the guttural accents of the Bosch, but the vast majority had never lost faith. 
Jana the Prussian and being swept away. Liberty and return. Vive Paris! Vive de Gaulle! It's really impossible to imagine the feelings of Parisians at this moment. Allied airmen flying low over the housetop saw a city which had suffered very little material damage. What they couldn't see from the sky was the indescribable joy in the hearts of the people. This picture of rejoicing in the world-famous street is something we and the whole freedom-loving world have been waiting to see. Waiting for four long and very hard years. We have been waiting to see it. The Parisians have been waiting to live it. that they were expressing. See, in a like manner, it is similar for Christians. For Christians, unless you truly appreciate the oppression and judgment of sin, there's not really true Christian joy. But if you know who Christ is and what He has done for you, if you understand that there is no more judgment in Christ Jesus, there's eternal joy. So today is about joy. It is about going from judgment to joy. And to take that journey, we are going to go to the book of Zephaniah. So Zephaniah, it is a book that is not well known in the Bible. It's near the very end of the Bible. It gets very little reading except during Advent or Christmas season. And it's short. It's only about three chapters long. So, Zephaniah, he was a prophet who lived around 630 A.D. during the time of King Josiah. Now, Josiah was a good, righteous king, but Manasseh had lived and ruled before Josiah, and he had ruled longer than any other king in the Judean land. He ruled for 55 years, and he was considered one of the most wicked kings who ever ruled Judah. So what were the sins? The sins of Manasseh were murder, rebuilding the high places for pagan worship, encouraging Baal, sun, moon, and star worship, and burning his son as a child sacrifice. Well, you see in the picture there is a statue of Moloch, who is one of the pagan gods. And what they would often do is they would either have, a, we believe, either have a fire around or actually inside the statue, and the hands of the statue would become blazing hot, and you would put your child to burn on those blazing hands. This is what it says about Manasseh in 2 Kings chapter 21. 
And he burned his son as an offering and used fortune-telling and omens and dealt with mediums and with necromancers, those who communicate with the dead. He did much evil in the sight of the Lord, provoking him to anger. And it wasn't just Manasseh. The people followed the king. So the people of Israel who followed the king were truly doing evil and evil against God. That's the context. So now Zephaniah, the prophet, is going to speak to these people. And it is a lot of judgment against the people. Zephaniah, chapter 1, starting with verse 2. I will utterly sweep away everything from the face of the earth, declares the Lord. I will sweep away man and beast. I will sweep away the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea and the bubble of the wicked. I will cut off mankind from the face of the earth, declares the Lord. I will stretch out my hand against Judah and against all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and I will cut off from this place the remnant of Baal and the name of the idolatrous peace of priests along with the priest, those who bow down on the roofs to the host of the heavens, those who bow swear to the Lord and yet swear by Milcom, those who have turned back from following the Lord, who do not seek the Lord or inquire of him. The book of Zephaniah has a very, very harsh judgment against Israel and all the evil, wicked things that they were doing. In summation, it is this, because of the wickedness of evil of man against God, God's wrath will be poured out. It will be poured out on those who are idolatrous, who say, yes, I worship the Lord, but I also worship this pagan God. Now imagine you are in Israel, and you are a faithful remnant in Israel. The terror that you would feel. Because if you didn't follow the king, you could be put to death. But if you did follow the king, you would be under great judgment from God. It would be a very hard, hard time. A time of oppression. A time of darkness. Where do you find refuge during that time? Today, where do you find refuge during this time? I can tell you the refuge is not found in our current age and culture. If you are an all-out Bible-believing Christian, in many, many places you are now considered the enemy. We talked about the persecution of the church in Nigeria just last week. A bus was stopped. Eleven people were killed because they would not recite the statement of faith for Islam. So they were killed. Now, here in America, again and again, you're seeing more and more that Christians are now the enemies. Just yesterday, a very mild example compared to what happened in Nigeria, I was at the store, and I was at the checkout, and I said, Merry Christmas. And the woman was like, thank you, Merry Christmas. She said, I can't even say that nowadays, because when I say that, people either look at me with a blank stare, or they look at me and they're annoyed, almost angry. She felt kind of, in some ways, like she was behind enemy lines. So there I was, at least a voice of hope, so to speak, a voice of encouragement, and I simply said, be strong and keep the faith. 
We all need a voice of encouragement. For the nation of Israel, the Lord also gave them a word of encouragement in Zephaniah. Even though there is strong rebuke, there is encouragement. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 11 and 12. You shall not be put to shame because of the deeds by which you have rebelled against me. For then I will remove from your midst, midst your proudly exalted ones, and you shall no longer be haughty in my holy mountain. But I will leave in your midst a people humble and lowly. They shall seek refuge in the name of the Lord. So God, even though there is harsh judgment, says for those who are in the Lord, that there is hope. And the hope that we have is that those who are in the Lord pass from judgment to joy. Because even though there is harsh judgment, the prophet uh, Zephaniah, the prophet Zephaniah, was talking about the harsh judgment. He also gives a word of joy. So now let's go from judgment to joy. It says, Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion, shout, O Israel, rejoice and exalt with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord God is speaking as if to his daughter. And he says, there is a time of worship. And in this time of worship, there will be singing, there will be shouting, there will be rejoicing, there will be exaltation. You are to stand up with that joy. And you're to go in the streets and sing as if nobody's listening. And dance as if nobody's looking. This is the time of joy. You see, joy itself is transcendent. It transcends happiness. It is pervasive exaltation. During communion, we're going to sing joyful, joyful. Hear the words, joyful, joyful, we adore thee. God of glory, Lord of love, hearts unfold like flower before thee, opening to the sun above. Melt the clouds of sin and sadness, drive the dark of doubt away. Giver of immortal gladness, fill us with the light of day. Isn't that, it's a beautiful song, isn't it? And it is one of joy. Can you imagine if we rewrote that song and said, happy, happy, we adore thee? It's not quite the same sense, is it? It's not the same song. You see, in the middle of a war, even though the battle still rages, we know that the war has been won. And that there is peace, and there's hope, and there's life, and there's joy in Christ Jesus. There is hope, light, life, and joy in Christ Jesus. In fact, in Christ Jesus, your joy is complete. It is full. It is manifested. Look, when angels announced his arrival, this is what they said. This is from our reading from Luke. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace 
among those with whom he is pleased. There's the joy of the heavens breaking forth at his birth. There's the pleasure and joy of God at his baptism. There's joy from the disciples at his ascension. It says in the last uh, part of Luke, chapter 24, and they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. Joy is expressed throughout Scripture. As a matter of fact, even Paul. Paul writes about joy. Now, Paul had been through many trials and tribulations. He had been hungry. He had been cold. He had been shipwrecked. He had been beaten. He had been bitten by a snake. I mean, the list goes on and on and on, and he had been rejected. And now he's in prison. Now he's in prison, ultimately awaiting his death. And by the way, death for Paul, we believe by tradition, was beheaded. So imagine you are waiting for that type of death. How could he ever, how could he ever write these words to the Philippians, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. He could write those words because he knew that his debt had been paid. That there was full peace, eternal joy in Christ Jesus. That the judgment against him was taken away in Jesus. It was the fulfillment of what was said in, I, in Zephaniah. What we have in Christ Jesus is what God promised in Zephaniah. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. Listen to the comfort of those words, the promise of those words, the encouragement of those words. The Lord has taken your judgments away from you. He has cleared away all your enemies. You, you do not need to fear evil anymore. This is the words from Zephaniah made manifest then in Christ Jesus. Let's go on. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. I will gather those of whom of you who mourn for the festival so that you no longer suffer reproach. Behold, at that time, I will deal with all your oppressors and I will save the lame and gather the outcast and I will change their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. What a message of love, what a message of freedom that he has given here. And notice the language. The language is not now just about Isaiah, it is about He, the Lord. The Lord, He will rejoice over you. He will quiet you with His love. He will exalt over you. Now this is not only your rejoicing, this is the Lord rejoicing. And then notice the shift of the language, it goes from He to I. It is the intimacy of God who is in your midst. He says, I will gather those of you who mourn. I will deal with all your oppressors. I will save the lame and the outcast. 
I will change their shame into praise. This is God in our midst. And this is made manifest to us in Jesus. Isn't that good news? Wouldn't you want to rejoice in that? And yet, when you take a look at Christians, a lot of them aren't rejoicing very much. There's a lack of rejoicing in Christianity. And so we need to hear the message, the good news, again and again and again, lest, we, lest it become stale in our minds. I came across a cartoon by a guy named Adam Ford. came across it a couple of years ago, and I thought it was pretty good for today. The title of the cartoon is, Do You Realize What That Means? Two guys talking to each other. One guy says, dude, you're a Christian. Do you realize what that means? God chose you. Think about it. God, you. Before he created the world, he chose you to be adopted into his eternal family, to live forever with him. Think of how mind-blowing that is. And consider what God did to accomplish that. The perfect eternal harmony of the Trinity is disrupted. God the Son crushed for your sin. He took your punishment. God did. And He gave you His own righteousness. Think about that. You possess the righteousness of God. Dude! You were transferred from death to life, from darkness to light. God the Holy Spirit took up residence inside you. God Himself. Now you're one of His. You're safe when you... You're safe when you used to be condemned. You're free when you used to be in slavery. You're His forever. And the Creator of the universe accomplished all of this for you when you couldn't do it for yourself. Seriously. And on top of that, the other guy says, Okay, dude, you're right. I, you made your point. I take it all back. And in the last frame, five minutes earlier, so how did you come to know Jesus? Yeah, my conversion story kind of boring. Right? We are lacking in the love, the joy that God has given us in Christ Jesus. There's a song. It doesn't fit for Advent here, but it fits for today. I wish I could play it. It's that song that we played, Victory in Jesus. Right? And it's got that upbeat one. All the Lutherans are like, what's so upbeat? I don't know if I can keep up with it. But it's a joyful song, right? It says, oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with his redeeming love. That's the joy of that song. That's what that cartoon is talking about. Let me give you a real-life example here. So it took place... Uh, with Pastor Tom Wallace at the Bible Baptist Church in Maryland. He talks about a Sunday morning service was uh, going to start, and in came this guy who had never attended the church before. He was looking around with kind of amazement, and he sat in the second row. So, he listened with very great interest to the message. And when the invitation came to accept Christ as Lord and Savior, the pastor said, Now how many of you are not saved 
but you would like to be, and we want, and you want us to pray for you. Will you raise his ha your hand? And the guy just shot up his hand, and he was like waving, waving, so he wouldn't be missed. So he asked the man to come forward, and he, the man was standing there stiff, erect, at attention. And the pastor said, "Do you believe that Christ died for you to save you from your sin?" And the man said, "Yes, I believe." And the pastor said, do you want to be baptized? And he said, yes, yes, I would like that very much. So in the Baptist church, they do that right then and there, right? So the, guy, the pastor baptized him. And as he brought him back up off the water, the guy stood up and he said, hot dog, hot dog, hot dog. <laughs> and all the church was laughing. But the pastor said, no, 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 hold on, hold on. Wait, wait, wait. See, this man isn't church. He doesn't know all the churchy words, amen and hallelujah, or praise the Lord. But what he knows is the joy of the Lord, and all he could yell out was, hot dog, hot dog, hot dog. That's the joy proclaimed. That's the joy all of us should have. You see, in Christ Jesus, evil has been overcome. You are set free from slavery to sin. Death has no sting. Darkness is banished by his light. The outcast are welcome home. The brokenhearted are comforted. And salvation has come into the world. And we should all sing with joy. We should all have that joy in our heart. This baby who was born is great news of great joy. So today, a couple questions for you. How similar are you to that guy with his conversion story? Is your faith in Christ kind of like, eh? Is it just kind of boring? Has lost the joy? So consider this week the great joy that comes from passing from judgment to joy in Christ Jesus. Ponder that. And I would encourage you to read either Zephaniah, it's only three chapters long, or Paul's letter to the Philippians, which is only four chapters long. That's the joy we have in Christ Jesus. And to that, everybody says, Amen. Amen.